How bad do we want it? Is what we've been talking about. What's the it? The it is whatever you're seeking God for at the moment. Every one of us has an it. Do you know that? In your prayer time at the moment, when you spend time with God, you've got an it. Whether that it is a healing, whether that it is a financial breakthrough, whether that it is a rest restoration in a marriage, or, or whether that it is a new job or a new husband or wife or, or whatever. We all have an it. And God cares about our it's. Amen. God cares about our it's. And God wants us to press into Him for whatever that it is. Amen. He does. He does. He wants us to press into Him for that it. How bad do we want it? Is the it a throwaway? Is the it something that we'll get by with if, without if we don't get it? But what if that it is a big thing for you? You need God to come true. Well, in that case, we need to learn how to press into God. We need to learn to lay hold of the things that God has promised us without letting go when we don't see the manifestation straight away. Yeah. How many people would hear us say that when the alarm goes off on, on Monday morning for you to get up to go to work, that you jump out of the bed with a song? <laughs> you laugh because none of us do. You don't. No, no one does it. I never did it. I don't do it still. The alarm goes off and I'm like, you know, I wish it was Saturday. Or whatever day off that I'm off. I, I wish. I, 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 and if you're like Angela, you have the, she uses the snooze. I don't use the snooze. Angela does. I mean, if Angela needs to get up at 7.30, she's not here, so don't tell her I'm telling this story again. If, 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 if Angela needs to get up at half seven, she sets the alarm for half six. And every 10 minutes between half six and half seven, she's snoozing. I'm the opposite. If I need to get up at half seven, I'll set the clock for half seven, and I'll get up at half seven. I'm not a snoozer. But we, a lot of us are snoozers. When the alarm goes off, we snooze. Go, snooze. Goes up, snooze. Snooze, snooze, snooze. And snooze uh, until finally we have to get up. It's just prolonging the torture, I think. Just get up when you have to get up, amen? But not many of us will jump out of the bed first thing and say, oh, thank God, it's Monday. There's a reason that Boomtown Rats wrote that song, I don't like Mondays, just because so few people do like Mondays. So why do we torture ourselves? Why do we get up on Monday mornings, and why do we go to work, and why do we drive for whatever length of time we have to drive to work and, and why do we spend nine hours in work doing something that we really don't want to do and if we had any other choice we'd be sitting on a beach in the Caribbean or, or someplace like that. Why do we, why, why do, we do it? Why, why do we go through all of that physical and mental torture day in and day out, week in and week out, year in and year out? Why do we do it? Because we want money. 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 We want money. We do. The motivating factor for 98% of people when the alarm goes off on Monday morning is the pay packet, be it that Friday or be it at the end of the month. <laughs> if you're into that sort of stuff. <laughs> that is the motivating factor. That's why we do what we do. I'm always amazed at the length some people will go to for money. There's an amount of people living in Wexford that drive every day to Dublin and back for work amazes me. They and now praise God for the motorway, but before the motorway, you're talking a two-hour journey. 
to work and back every into the Dublin traffic. I mean, when I anytime I get caught in the Dublin traffic, I'm like, how do people do this every day? They, they do it for money. Because they want money bad enough. Amen? What do you want bad enough that you're willing to just about do anything to get it? What do you want bad enough? Is it finances? Is it for something, something else? But we all have that one thing that we're prepared to do just about anything for. I remember years ago, and even still, you'll see people in TV programs being asked the question, what would you do for? What, what extreme would you go for? X amount of money, or what, what would you do? And they come up with some crazy things about what they would do for money. There's an amazing story over in Matthew chapter 17 where Jesus is visited by a very desperate Gentile woman from Canaan whose daughter is demon-possessed. Now, the geography of the thing is that this woman came a long way. She didn't just wake up at, at half eight on Monday morning and say, Jesus is half an hour over the road, I'm walking over to see him. The fact of the matter is this woman may have walked for days. And she didn't walk down a paved road or she didn't walk down a comfortable road or, or she didn't hitch a lift or anything like that on her way. She walked through desert where the roads are surrounded by, in that day, bandits and, and all of that sort of stuff. She, 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 this was a journey, okay? Before we even get into the story, her getting to Jesus in the first place was a journey, a tough journey. But she did it. Matthew 15 says there in verse 21, it says then, Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is severely demon-possessed. And if this story was the same as every other story of people who went to Jesus needing a need to take care of, in the Word of God, as we read, we read that Jesus asked her what her need was, and then Jesus took care of it. Just like he took care of the blind men when they came to him looking for their sight. Just the same as he cleansed the lepers when they came to him for cleansing. Just the same as anyone who came to him looking for their, for their relative or friend or their work colleague to be healed or raised from the dead, he'd done it every time. So if this was the same as every other story that we read in the Word of God, Jesus would have just said, Go your way, my daughter, your, your daughter has been healed straight away. This is not the same as that story. Amen? It says there, in verse 23, it says, But Jesus answered her not a word. Now, I like to visualize the Word of God when I'm reading it. I like to place myself there. I like to put color in it. So when I read this, I, I think about the, the journey that the lady walked. The hardship that, you know, she obviously would have had to have had someone to mind her daughter, which was a job first, and, and then she would have had to prepare for the journey, and she would have had to gather possessions to take care of herself on the journey. She came a long way. A hard journey. And then when she got to where she was, she had to find, where is Jesus? Anybody know where Jesus is? And, and then, you know, they said to her, well, he's not usually where he is normally around the Jordan. He's actually down in Tyre and Sidon. So then she was like, oh, I may go down there. And, and that took her another journey. So this, it was a hard journey. So when she found, finally found Jesus, you know, she, she hadn't got just to send out a message on Facebook there. Anybody know where Jesus is? And, and bang, she, there, there it was. Jesus was here. This was a tough journey. She may have been on this journey for months. And she finally gets to Jesus. You can imagine her exhaustion and, her, uh, and her, her delight 
when she finally finds Jesus. And then for her to walk up to Jesus, this guy who's, who the grapevine has told her heals everybody who comes to her, casts out all demons and even raises the dead. She gets to Jesus and she says to Jesus, Have mercy on me, she said. For my daughter is severely demon-possessed. And then for Jesus just to go, keep on going about his day. The word of God said that he answered her not a word. Or in layman's terms, or what we would say today, he ignored her. He heard her, and he ignored her. Kept on going about his day. Verse 23, the continuation, it says, And the disciples came to Jesus, urging him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. At this stage now, Jesus is continuing on his journey. And the disciples now have come to Jesus, saying, Hey, listen, this woman who came to you a couple of minutes ago, asking you to heal her demon-possessed daughter, will you just do us a favor, and will you just tell her to get lost, because she's annoying us? She's not letting us continue our journey. She's shouting after us. I know you hear her, Jesus, but I know you're ignoring her. But really, you know, she's going to keep on coming after us until such a time that you tell her to get lost. She came after him. She didn't give up. There's the first time. Well, second. Took her a long time to get there, a hard journey to get there. And now when she gets there, Jesus ignores her. Jesus blanked her. But she didn't turn on her heels and walked away. She kept shouting after Jesus, Have mercy on me, son of David. For my daughter is severely demon-possessed. She was determined to make sure that Jesus took care of her need. Now, I mean, I think most of us, if we're in that situation, we'd have probably given Jesus a hand signal and we'd have walked away. We would have. We would have just said, Oh, yeah, Great man you are. Giving him a gesture and we'd have went on our, one about our business. We'd have said, listen, this has cost me too much already. This guy is obviously not who he says he is or he doesn't reckon with Gentiles. Forget about it, I'm going home. But she didn't. She didn't give up. She pressed in. She shouted after him all the more. She shouted after him to the point of where the disciples were so annoyed that they said to Jesus, listen, tell her to get lost. Verse 24, it says, But Jesus, then he addressed her, and he says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered her again, and he said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. I mean, like, as we would read that, we would say, Jesus ignored her, Jesus basically told her to get lost. Jesus then told her that, you know, you know, I was sent to the children of Israel, not you Gentiles. And I'm not about to, to give to you something that the children of Israel deserves when really, in the way we look at you, us, us Jewish people look at you as your little dogs. Now, I think if we had, a pers if we had a persevered through the first ignoring and, and then being told that I wasn't sent to you, I think that would have been the straw that would break the camel's back. Jesus calling us little dogs. I think we would, at this stage, we would have just said, okay, enough is enough, I'm gone. But she didn't. 
She didn't. She said that, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. What's Jesus trying to show us here? Is Jesus having a bad morning? Was Jesus trying to be rude to this woman? Was he trying to play hardball with her? Was he kind of saying that, okay, she's not a Jew, so if she's not a Jew, she's a Gentile, I'm going to make her work a bit harder for this? No, none of that. I think from the very second that Jesus saw this woman, he saw that she was a woman of great faith. From the very second. And I think Jesus was marveling at her great faith. And everything in the Word of God is there for our learning. And I believe Jesus used this woman, this, this Gentile woman, to teach us a lesson today. That when we come to God, opposition is going to come against us. When we come and, and, and ask God for something that He's promised us, that it's not going to be a walk in the park and you're going to get it like that. That there's going to be opposition coming against us. And we need to be prepared to get stuck in. We need to be prepared that when the answer doesn't come in our timing, that we need to be prepared to say, hey, listen, I know this guy is good. He's good for it. I know all of the stories I've read about him. I know all the, the testimonies I've heard and read. And I know this, this guy is good to his word. We, we, we need rather than be people who when we pray and we seek God for something, when we don't get it straight away, uh, that we give up on it. We need to be people that even if it seems like that the healing is not coming, the breakthrough is not coming, or whatever else we're believing God for, we need to be people who will be ready to say, okay, I know I didn't get it straight away, but I know it's coming. I know if He promised it me, that He's not going to withhold it from me. I know He's good for it. And what Jesus is teaching us through this woman, it's not that, you know, if this woman wasn't, uh, if this woman wasn't uh, persevering that he wouldn't have answered her, he would have. He would have. But he knew he saw in this woman something that he could teach us here a lesson. That we need to persevere. We need to get stuck in. Amen? That when we pray and believe and ask God for, that there's opposition comes against it. And it's not God. The opposition comes from the enemy. When we pray and, we, and we, we send a prayer to God and we say, Lord, did you promise me in your word healing? That Jesus bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases and by his stripes I'm healed. I believe you, Lord. But what Jesus is teaching us here, that when we return that prayer back to him, that the enemy will do everything in his power to try and stop it. To try and put us off. God says yes. If it's a prayer according to his will, according to his word, the answer is yes. But the enemy will do everything in his power to try and put you off, and he will try to do everything in his power to stop you from seeing the manifestation of that prayer, that yes from God. And we will see the word of God, says, if we don't give up. It's not that God is trying to... to, to uh, um, um, to persecute us or anything like that. It's that God is wanting to build in us perseverance. That we don't expect God to be a microwave of a God that press the button and there's the answer. God is teaching us that we really do have a real enemy and that He'll do everything in His power to try and stop the answer. But we need to know that when we pray and ask God, the answer will always be yes. If it's according to His will. 
But it may not come straight away. It may not come today. It may not come tomorrow. It may not come next week or next year. But we need to persevere. We need to get this attitude, how bad do I want it? Jesus commended the woman saying, Great is your faith. Great is your faith. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want that healing? Bad enough not to give up when opposition comes? Bad enough to get stuck in even though you seem to get worse before you see any manifestations of getting better? How bad do you want it? Could you live, could you live without it? Do we get to a place where we pray and ask God for healing? But you know what? If God doesn't come through with the healing, sure, I'll be okay anyway. Take the antibiotics or take the painkillers. Should be grand. Bad enough that if I don't get the financial breakthrough, sure, look at it, I'll just take a loan out. Another one. I'll remortgage or whatever. I'll just, I'll do, I'll, I'll do something. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll ask God first. But you know what? If God doesn't come through, there's always plan B. God doesn't want us to have a plan B. God wants us to, when we pray and, and really press into Him in faith, He wants us to be like that, 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 that woman, that Gentile woman, with no plan B. If, if, if I don't come back from, from visiting Jesus with, with an answer for the healing for my daughter, then she ain't going to get healed. There's no plan B. How bad do we want it? We need to, when we ask and pray and seek God, we, we need to always have in our minds that God is going to answer this prayer. I may not see it today. I may not see it tomorrow. I may not even see it next year. But the answer is coming. It's on its way. And I, in that waiting time, I'm going to wait with faith and patience, knowing that it's on its way. Not, not, a, not a plan B. You know, sometimes we say we want things, but our actions prove that we don't want it that bad at all. We need to be like the persistent widow. We need to get into our minds like the persistent widow where, you know, she, she, when she went to the, to the judge, she was like, I ain't taking no for an answer. And if I had to come back here every day, and every day I'll come back, and every day I'll come back until you give me justice. And the unjust judge is not God. Some people have said the unjust judge is God, but that's not God. That's not his nature. God is just teaching us a lesson. He's saying that when you pray and when you seek God for justice, the, the unjust judge, the, the enemy, will try and steal that answer from you. He'll try and steal the answer from you. But we need to resist the enemy, and he will flee from us. Amen? And your answer from God will come. You know, nobody's ever gotten a breakthrough giving up. Do you know that? Nobody's ever got a breakthrough given up. When the light bulb was created, they made it wrong a hundred times or more before they actually eventually got it right. But they learned 99 times how not to make it. And they finally got to a place where they... And with every invention, nobody ever invented anything straight away. It takes time, it takes patience. It takes not giving up. Nobody's ever gotten a breakthrough, given up. Breakthrough, don't come to lazy people. Amen. There's this great story over in Genesis 32, talking about Jacob when he was coming back after years away from his brother Esau, whom he stole his birthright from. 
And on his way back, Jacob encountered God. And in Genesis chapter 32, it says, Then Jacob was left alone. He had already sent all his families, all his possessions on ahead of him. And now he was left alone. And a man, capital M, wrestled with Jacob until the breaking of day. You see, why did Jacob send his family and everyone else on ahead of him? Because Jacob knew that he was coming back to Esau, and as far as he knew, Esau wanted him dead. He'd robbed Esau's birthright. So he was coming back in fear. So why did he send his family on ahead? He sent his family on ahead so that he could have some time that night interceding and praying before God that Esau wouldn't kill him. So as he was praying, as he was interceding with God, a man came and wrestled with him all night. Verse 25, and I said, Now that when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched him in the socket of his hip, and he put it out of joint as he wrestled with him. And the man said, Let me go for day breaks. But Jacob didn't. He wouldn't let him go. And he said, Unless you bless me. Unless you bless me. Unless you bless me. He wouldn't let him go. He held on to him. Even with a hip out of joint, he wouldn't let him go. Now, I don't know if you've ever put any bones in your body out of joint, or you've ever broken any bones or whatever, but it's painful. It's painful. And the reason that if you put a, a, a joint out or you break something, whatever you're wrestling or struggling with, you let go straight away. And what Jacob was showing us here, that despite the pain, despite the hip joint being, uh, being out, of, out of joint or whatever, he still wouldn't let go. He still wouldn't let go. He said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. Verse 28 says, and then the man said, Verse 26. And he said, let me go for day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you've struggled with God and you have prevailed. He struggled with God and he prevailed. Jacob wrestled with God and he would not let go until he got his answer. He wouldn't let go. What was God Showing Jacob here. What was he teaching him? Because God could have answered Jacob's prayer straight away. He could have shown him straight away that, you know, while you're looking for protection, blessed, yeah, yours. So what was God demonstrating? What was he teaching us out of this? Again, he was teaching us that when we come to God and we seek God for blessing, that we will, may not see the manifestation of that blessing straight away. That there is times when we will in a sense, have to struggle with and, and wrestle with God. What's that saying? What, what's that saying when it said we're struggling and wrestling with God? What, is, what it's saying is that we are prepared to get down and wrestle and wait for our answer. That we're prepared to persevere. That when, when it looks like that the breakthrough is not coming, that we don't give up. When it looks like that, you know, everything is, is coming against are seeing the manifestation of the breakthrough, we stick in there. We stick in there. We don't give up. It's not that God is not saying yes. 
It's not that God wants us to prove that, you know what, we're worthy of the answer. That's not it at all. What God is wanting us to do is prove that we're willing to lay hold of God's promise and not let go. Even if everything within us is saying, you got to let go, you got to let go. Listen, your world is collapsing all around you. You got to let go of that one. You got to let go. What God is teaching us here, that even if everything all around us is telling us that we should let go, we hold on anyway. We hold on anyway. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. See, God is not testing us in the sense to see how hard we're willing to wrestle with Him. What He's teaching us is that, you know, as we come to God and as we pray and ask God for things that we need, He's teaching us that, you know what, every time you ask and pray, you know, it's not going to come straight away. That you need to persevere with faith and patience. We need to persevere, faith and patience. There's a story over in Luke chapter 24, after the crucifixion, where some of Jesus' followers were heading down the road from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus. And on that road, they, they encountered Jesus and they didn't recognize him. And as they walked and talked with Jesus, Jesus and, and they, they told Jesus about the things that had just happened in Jerusalem, Jesus then opened the scriptures to them and explained to them why what happened had to happen. And in verse 24, it says, As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued as if he was going, to, as if he was going on further. And you read that and you think that, well, you know, Jesus was, why did he, why did Jesus demonstrate to him that as they walked that he was going to continue on going? Why wouldn't Jesus just go with him? It says there in verse 29, it says, but they urged him strongly. Stay with us. Stay with us. For it's nearly evening and the day is almost over. And then it says, and he went in to stay with them. What's that teaching us? It's teaching us that we need to be always pressing into God. It's not that God is wanting to walk away from us or abandon us or anything like that, but we always got to be aware that as we press into God, circumstances will come to try and pull us away from God, so we always got to be aware that we got to press into God. And as we press into God, God will stay with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us anyway. But we've got to press into God. The enemy will try and put us off of what God wants to do in our lives. The enemy will try to convince us that God hasn't given you the breakthrough, that God has abandoned you. God has said no. No, he hasn't. God is always with you. He's never leaving you, never forsaking you, never letting you down. Any of the promises of God, all of the promises of God are yes and amen. But what God is saying to us, as we return these promises back to God, we really do have a true enemy who will do everything in his power to try and block the promises of God in your life. But if we persist, we will see the breakthrough. You know, very quickly, I, I love watching nature programs. And I watched one the other night. Uh, it was about when the salmon come back to the, their rivers of origins to spawn. And a lot of times when the salmon come back to the rivers of origin to spawn, it could be in Alaska or Canada or someplace like that, 
as they're swimming up the streams, the streams get so narrow that you can walk across. And, and the salmon, they struggle so hard to get up the stream. And not only are they struggling so hard to get up the stream to get where they want to spawn, but as they're struggling to get up the stream, there, there's bears waiting to attack them. There's foxes waiting to wolves waiting to attack them. I mean, the enemy is willing to take them out, trying their best to take them out. But they go anyway. Because the breakthrough for them is when they get upstream. They spawn. You know, I think sometimes we're a little bit like that when it comes to the promises of God. That we're praying and believing and asking God for this breakthrough, this, this thing that we need in our lives, this healing or whatever it may be. And the enemy is doing everything in his power to try and take us out. But we need to be a little bit like that salmon and, and not just decide, that, ah, listen, I'll stay in the open ocean. We need to have the determination that we will do whatever it takes to get back to our spawning ground, as it were, for the salmon. But in our circumstances, we're willing to put everything in to make sure we see the promises of God come to pass in our lives. We need to ask ourselves, how bad do we want it? Do we want it bad enough that we're willing to do everything on our side to keep on standing with God and to keep on saying, hey, listen, I know everything is saying at the moment, uh, coming against me at the moment. Uh, everything is, lo is looking bad at the moment. The breakthrough is not coming. But I'm willing to do everything. I'm willing to stay standing with God until I see this breakthrough. Let's see this manifestation. Two more scriptures and we're finished. Deuteronomy 4.29 says, But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find Him when you seek Him with all your heart and soul. It's not that God is lost, but God wants us to seek Him with all of our heart and with all of our soul. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20, final scripture. And it says, For all the promises of God are yes and in Him. Amen. We need to re realize that God is not withholding from us. He's not the one that's trying to keep us from the manifestation of the things that we prayed and asked Him for. That we got a real enemy. And that when we want to see manifestations in life, we've got to take a stand. Despite everything that goes on around us to try and put us off, we've got to realize that God said yes. And whenever that yes comes, I'm believing it and I'm trusting Him for it. In Jesus' name. Amen?